0: Welcome to the 40 as fuck podcast, the podcast for anyone who has looked in the mirror and thought, how the hell am I 40? Hey, everyone, welcome back to 40 as fuck, the podcast where we have candid conversations about what it's like to be a 40 something in a filtered world, which is quite often far from reality. This podcast discusses the influences that impact what we feel about aging and how we see ourselves in this world. These conversations are meant to bring awareness to how these influences affect our mindset, self-concept, and our overall health. We examine marketing claims of products and discuss actual research to see what we can do about any of it as we try to slow the hands of time and delay the inevitable. We keep it real as fuck here, and we talk about everything from skincare to sex. For those of you that I haven't met, I'm your host, Sydney Moreau, a mother of three, ages 18, 13, and four. I'm a 40-something who, after a 15-year career in photography, started a skincare company with my dear friend, Kelly Foster. This is when I began to see and understand how all these influences impact how we feel about aging and how much we believe is just good old-fashioned marketing and really not that much truth. Each podcast is bite-sized and sometimes a little sweary, but it's always real as fuck. Today we're going to be continuing our discussion about the influences of beauty. If you joined me last week, we discussed why as 40 or 50-somethings we aren't showing up in the social media world. We're generally a very introverted generation, and why these generational influences or the way that we were brought up keep us from being outspoken and outgoing in the social world. Today we're going to be continuing this conversation, but This time, we're going to be talking about the ethical and global influences that exist and that are rapidly changing or increasing as our visual world expands in a globally socially connected world like social media. So basically what this means is how the standard of beauty or the beauty ideal, as in what is deemed normal or acceptable as far as looks and appearance has changed and how it is changing. I read this fascinating book called Perfect Me by Heather Wedows. I feel like I'm just really becoming aware of this and I only have a very small understanding of this Enormous topic, but even just in a small understanding, it's brought so much awareness to how I think about aging, how I think about cultural influences or the global influences, and how this impacts myself, but also impacts my kids. Specifically, I look at my daughter and how this impacts her. So for me, understanding these concepts really helps me expand my thinking to see how I've been influenced or how I'm being influenced to fit in this certain like beauty box, if you want to, like this containment of what beauty or aging or health looks like. Socially right now, what we're seeing is somewhat of a revolt when it comes to this ideal beauty. But that concept in itself, like that revolt where people are turning against this beauty box is also interesting. And we're going to go into that as well. So if you have a teen or a tween, and like I said, like I do, my daughter, you're probably very aware of how much more educated kids are on skincare products or beauty. A lot more than we ever were growing up in the 80s and 90s. My daughter knows so much more about skin health, and she literally puts me to shame when it comes to makeup application. And there's so much good, but there's a lot of bad when it comes to this. And that's why I think that this is really important to bring awareness to what is happening in this like kind of global setting. So in this podcast today, we're going to look at how our ideas around body size impact our beliefs about ourselves and others and why we make these assumptions. And we'll look at how this has actually changed. We're going to also cover how marketing uses mortality as a main driver when it comes to aging, which is incredibly fascinating to think that we're being controlled to purchase these items based on a life or death or mortality thought process. To get started, I want to talk about anti-aging. Anti-aging is the funniest term ever. It's a contradiction to living. Because if you think about it, the only way to avoid aging is death. Like, you cannot defy aging. Aging means we are progressing in our life. It is not bad. It's actually quite good. But we have this concept of anti-aging. In our culture, to age is to basically disappear, The best example of this is what happens in Hollywood as you age. We see women virtually just disappear from magazines and the big screens as they get older, as if they're irrelevant. In our modern world, where we live longer, we spend over two-thirds of our lives in this anti-aging category. So in an effort to prolong our own disappearance from society, like those Hollywood actresses, we spend well over half of our lives fighting to stay young, or to at least look young. This social concept or inevitability of aging has not been helped by beauty or skincare companies. In fact, you can go back in time and see this evolution and where it has occurred. There's no denying that we are always getting older. The beauty industry has been telling women what they should be and demonstrating through advertisements the stark reality if they're not what they should be. You can even see this early on. You can trace these influences back to different advertisements and they would use the desires of men to emphasize this point. So the advertisements would show that your aging skin could be blamed on your romantic losses or like the disappointments not having a date or somebody in your life. They would also demonstrate like your husband leaving you for a younger woman because your skin had been aging. And ads in the 20s would also use aging as a pivotal emotional aging crisis. (laughs) Like it's this Existential issue with your skin that you are aging, and it would be all of a sudden, it's so dramatic. I saw this one ad where it says, Poor Lois, see how old she's growing. So, the positioning of this made women seem like they were the disgraces of society, but somehow, this product that they were advertising was going to save them. And what's been referenced as the golden age of anti aging, the ad somewhere they shift from this cautionary tale to stories of inspiration where women were depicted as successfully taking charge of this aging process, as if they could change it by this way and they were going to take hold of their aging skin. So rather than being represented as like this downtrodden woman, they're all of a sudden there are these inspirational women with this very aggressive narrative. And the language shifts from the negative to tackle, combat, fight against. And in some way, they're staging this intervention of sorts, or like this war on the aging process, and they're going to come out the winners. Things that say, don't deny it, defy it. So again, we're into this stage of turning back time, you can prevent it. And we've also seen a shift in campaigns in marketing with encouraging behaviors. At least that's what it seems like from the outside. I don't know if you remember, but there was this Dove skincare campaign not too long ago where it showed women in their 50s and 60s. And they said things like pro-age, which sounds very good. And it sounds positive, like pro-age to support your age. But it's actually funny because it's saying embrace these advancing years, but The campaign's also hinting like you have to take care of it. Don't blow it. Don't be an amateur with your aging skin. So while it seemed positive, it definitely had this connotation of take charge of your skin again. And as of recently, you see a lot of terms like self-care, revitalize, you deserve it, don't let yourself go, you're worth it. So we're seeing this mortality theme pop up into skincare which is, again, like I said, it's don't let yourself become irrelevant by aging. And all of this sets us up for this framework where we're using aging to value ourselves or others. We're judging ourselves or others with this and within the context of this framework. For instance, we think if somebody lets themselves go, we assume that they're actually failing at life. What's going on in your life that you are letting yourself go? And we see this as a way to define success or to define good or bad. We say things like good hair day or bad hair day. There there really isn't a good or bad in either one of those contexts, but we have this very idealistic expectation of what either one of those looks like. You'll see it in Disney movies where the villain has uh, moles or acne on their skin and it's a representation of evil or bad. And so ultimately, what we think of ourselves is actually how we define ourselves. Some people with this revolt, as I was referring to earlier, we see this liberation of letting ourselves go as almost a vice, like we're fighting against this, we're bucking the system. But ultimately, we are condemned if we do. And we're condemned if we don't, if we wear a lot of makeup, if we get a lot of Botox, if we don't get a lot of Botox and we don't care, or we're gonna allow ourselves to age naturally, it is, there is no good or bad in all of it, but we condemn them both no matter what side we stand on. I also mentioned earlier when I was talking about advertising that a lot of the early beauty treatments were driven by the perceived expectations of the men that were in our lives or that we wanted to come into lives. And this was told through marketing campaigns. So you'd think as women, as we've shifted to entering the workplace, earning our own money, finding independence, and moving away from these very vintage or old-fashioned ideals, we wouldn't put as much emphasis on beauty. But in fact, that's not true. Women spend more time on these practices and products now than they have ever before. So what is happening here? Why is this happening? Is this a cultural or social norm? Where does this come from? Is it all influenced by marketing? How does this all come to be? So that's where I, this book that I read makes these incredible points. She states that this global visual world that we're in influences what we see as normal or the normal ideals. And she makes this point that when We were convening in small villages. We may have made judgments about others' appearances at first, but her point was that beauty matters less the more we know people personally. So when we think about it in a a social world like Instagram or Facebook or TikTok – We don't really know those people, so we demonstrate more judgment and we use that as a comparison to ourselves because we don't actually know the character of any of those people in a very personal level. However, now we live in a society that is socially connected, But it's really devoid of this real connection unless we know somebody personally. Appearance and beauty matters a lot more. And because of this globalized societal norm, we have a more unified ideal about what we should be. And this is across all continents and cultures. We're seeing where there is these value systems that are similar, where they used to be different. But because we just share this same space in this socially connected world, these ideals are becoming more representative, no matter where you live. And because of this globalized societal norm, we have a more unified ideal about what we should be or what we're expected to be and what it takes to be this way. So in many ways, beauty has evolved from an extra, something that you didn't necessarily need, to an absolute need. Or it is even entered like a health standard, something so common, it's like brushing your teeth, and it's unacceptable to not do it. Imagine what your grandmother's beauty routine looked like, and then compare that to your mom's Beauty routine or your own. And if you have children, compare all of those to their routine. We've gone from washing your face in a stream to get the dirt off to having these 20-step skincare routines which seem very normal it's a huge shift in fact the combination of both marketing and our globalized beauty standard has made us believe that we need these serums we need exfoliants we need washes we need moisturizers like it's some type of requirement for our skin But in fact, the only thing that you need for healthy skin is sunscreen, and that is definitely more protective or preventative. But really, our skin is very self-reliant. We've been so conditioned that we believe we need to have all of these things. And I know all this sounds like a contradiction, because here I am with this skincare company, and you would think that I would like to sell you this 20-step skincare routine, which of course, I wouldn't mind, but... More than that, I want you to make an informed decision about what you need and what you don't need. I don't ever, as a skincare brand, want to scare you into a skincare routine because without it, you'll disappear or you'll be less than or you're not or your skin has to have it. I want you to be able to make this informed decision about what you want to add to your routine and i think that we've been so conditioned we just have this belief that we have to have these items it's through this cultural evolution or this globalized beauty standard that i'm talking about that we've normalized very normal bodily features and we've made them flaws for instance pores there's this War on pores, poreless skin, or cellulite, or body hair is a great one. Eventually, as time goes on, the augmented body becomes increasingly more a normalized standard. It wouldn't surprise me where we would see Botox to be expected or as expected as your six-month dental visit. It's as if we see these beauty practices move up a spectrum, where they start at beauty or a want- to health as a need. And Weta's point is that this is happening at an increasingly more rapid pace and it's happening in a more globalized sense rather than contained within a culture. Largely, this is at a detriment to women and how we believe and think about ourselves. In fact, in South Korea and Lebanon, plastic surgery has become kind of rite of passage and it's very normalized. We see excess body hair demonized. If you guys remember the episode where Miranda and Samantha are hanging out at a pool and Miranda walks out and she hasn't shaved and the camera pans down and it's this very dramatic part of the episode after Steve had left her and in the... Scene, there's Samantha's reaction implied that this is the reason that Steve left her. Like Miranda let herself go, and that's why Steve left her. And it's very sad and dramatic. And while it's funny and it's a great scene, and I love Sex in the City, these ideals that have been set. And all of a sudden, suddenly, body hair, it's a sign that we've let ourselves go. Now, I'm not saying don't get waxed or hone it in, but I'm telling you this to just bring a sort of awareness to what influences or what drives this need that we have. And I wanna say, like, this isn't all negative, there are definitely positives to being more bodily, if you will, aware. For instance, friendships are often formed around beauty practice. You get your nails done with your friends. There's spa days. So there's very social connection that we have. We definitely value health more. We're very interested in our health, and a lot of that kind of interweaves with beauty. So even though like some of this can be misdirected, it can also be very empowering. It also involves touch. My grandmother used to go get her hair washed once a week. And that was very important to her. The human touch is very important. So it isn't all bad. But the downside And the negative impacts of this distorted beauty ideal is that it encourages a shame culture, which we're seeing currently right now, which is becoming more and more common. And we see these beliefs that we hold about ourselves more and more common. And they do, they prevent us from showing up. Just like in the last podcast, I said, I I feel so torn showing up as I am with my normal 44 year old skin and no filter. But to show up with a filter feels very much out of alignment with my beliefs about who I am and how I want to represent myself. There's also this other idea that I think is really interesting, that beauty practices show privilege. You are successful if you get Botox or laser or augmentation or your nails done or your hair done or you have skincare. There are very many people that can't afford the very basics of skincare. Not that we need it, but we have quantified that in our culture that it's a requirement. And generally, the less that you have, the less material items that you have or assets that you have, it's really more important. Beauty becomes more important. As a mom to a 13-year-old, and I'm sure you've said this to your daughter, and I know I've said this to my daughter, and I'm certain my mom said this to me, we will say things to our kids, and we've heard that it's not what's on the outside that matters, it's what's on the inside matters. But we all know that this is a bunch of shit. It does matter what's on the outside. That isn't true. And even to use this phrase is in some way to say, you know what, your appearance isn't all that, but don't worry, they'll love you for what's on the inside. So it's a very interesting, paradoxical place that we live right now and what the messaging that we give to ourselves, but others, because it really does matter. And it shouldn't matter. I wish it didn't matter. In a perfect world, we'd all love this to be true. But that's not the case right now. So I know I'm going through all of this, and it sounds very doom and gloom. And I don't know exactly what we do about it. But I think individually, I'd say there's probably not much that we can do other than becoming aware of it. Because individually it's very difficult to influence these kind of global changes unless there's a very global influence that kind of changes the tide. But I do think we can become aware of our own thoughts around age or our own thoughts around our appearance or beauty and just being cognizant of what we're intaking as far as marketing and how that's influencing us to buy things. And if anything we can just get a deep breath and not feel this impulse or panic that we haven't gotten Botox yet and we're 40. Before. So I think we can begin to evaluate where our own judgment gets in the best of us and it gets the best of others. I really wish that there was a magic bullet. And I wish that there was some way that we were not judged by our appearance where these global standards were more inclusive and it really wasn't a value in which we judged another person or gained their success or their failures or what have you. But I do think that it starts with awareness. And so with that... I want to leave you this, this, it's a very short conversation today, but it's a very big idea. I hope that we can continue this conversation as time goes on. And I really look forward to hearing your thoughts on this one, because I think it's very thought provoking. So with that, I wish you all a wonderful day. And I look forward to next week when we get to talk again. Take care.